Y'all remember when he intercepted the ball and his pants fell off? And then he ran for the touchdown, bare ass? Remember when Bobby Boucher showed up at halftime and the Bud Dogs won the Bourbon Bowl, do you? It's not the Bourbon Bowl, but it is the NSO Bowl this week. Tom Corbett, he's Sterling Pingree, and it is Cowboys v. Patriots this week. And man, do I wish both teams had a little more momentum coming into this week's matchup. It's like the NFL did this just for us. You know, they, they, the NFL loves week four. I think every year we look at it. I, like I, I, As I recall, week four was when... Brady returned to Foxborough this year. You have Dolphins-Bills, which is a monster game. You have and Patriots-Cowboys. how it didn't Cowboys. get flexed, I don't know. I'm okay. Like, I'm, I'm excited for it. Should it be Sunday Night Football? Yeah, I mean, that would be a monster game for Sunday Night Football. Uh, or even Monday. But, alas, you know what? I'll take it at 1 o'clock. But, yeah, having the Patriots-Cowboys, 425. It is a, uh, a gift to us as a podcast which is exactly what we needed is a little, a little rivalry, just something to, uh, to spice up our life, which by the way, since they moved to the extra game, because the NFL is no longer beholden to the, you can only play, you know, you have your NFC opponents and you have, you know, your, your schedule that, Oh, well, every four years, the Patriots will play the Cowboys. and It'll either be, you know, home or road. So they'll only go to Dallas every eight years. Well, since they expanded, the Patriots have already played the Cowboys an extra time and, They've played him, what, 2021, 20, I want to say 19 they played him. So, yeah, this is the third time in, I think, five years that they've played the Cowboys. The NFL is not stupid. They they know what they're doing with these extra games where they get that carte blanche to go, okay, which one don't we want to wait four years for? Right. It's like, oh. Patriots-Cowboys. Yeah, we know. Brady's going to play Peyton Manning. Every single year. And we know this. I don't care where they finish in their division. They're going to play every single year. Doesn't matter. That, that was the thing. And, and not to get off on a, a Tom Brady tangent, but when Brady was in New England, it was like the league just wanted all of those matchups. So every year it was like, oh, I know they're not really supposed to play Baltimore, even though Baltimore is supposed to be really good this year, but we want it to happen. So the Patriots also have to play Baltimore. It's like, oh, great. Thanks. Right. Well, for the first time this season, we record following a Patriots win. And for the first time this season, we record following a Cowboys loss. I don't know how jubilant you're feeling about the Patriots after squeaking by Zach Wilson and the Jets. Uh, I feel good that I went out of my way to point out last week that, man, Cowboys really weren't great in the red zone against the Jets. And then they just lay an egg against Arizona, one for five in the red zone in terms of touchdowns. You text me throughout, and I'm like, you like, you nervous yet? I'm like, no. I mean, we're there. 
Arizona's definitely going to tail off here in the second half like they have all year. They're going to figure out a way to score in the red zone. And then, no. Arizona (laughs) makes a couple big plays, and Dak has a horrible interception. And I'm like, oh, this is, this is, this is fun. Poured a nice cold water on all those bandwagon guys jumping on the Cowboys after two weeks, though. So are you subscribing to what Dak said after the game? Did did you hear what he said post-game of essentially y'all were the ones saying that we were great or something we weren't, and now we got beat, so y'all must be happy now. It, it was a very odd thing. It was pretty much saying, you said we were really good, and now that we lost, you're probably happy because we're not as good as you said, which also doesn't really make sense now no, that I say it out loud. Yeah, it's but like that saying, was the see, gist of quote. we're not that good, as opposed to just being, oh, we sucked. <laughs> we gave well, away a, you know, a good opportunity at a win. We are this good, but we need to figure it out. Saying, see, we're not as good as you think we are. Which is, yeah, exactly what what he was kind of saying or or getting at. Almost like, but it it was preemptive. I don't believe he was even in response to a question. It was more of, I'm making this statement ahead of time so you can't second guess us or question us now. But yeah, he's kind of saying, we were never that good. You, you're the ones that said we were good. It's like, do you not want to be good? I mean, yeah. this is kind of goes back to your Mike McCarthy, I don't want to score points. Like, you said we were good. I don't think we're good. It's like, wait, wait a minute, Dak. This is, you're cutting off your nose to spite your right. face right now. You're trying to win an argument, not a football game. And as it turns out, when the defense doesn't score you like 14 points in the first half, offense doesn't look that great. <laughs> you know, funny how the defense never really gets credit. For, like, there needs to be a stat of, like, defensive points. Like, that needs to be a more prolific stat of just defensive points or defensive and special teams points, kind of like it is in fantasy football. Because I think there are teams, and, and Dallas may be the, the greatest test case of this right now, that because the D de- and the Patriots were a year ago, there was that run where like five weeks in a row, they won four out of five, and I think they had a defensive or special teams touchdown in like all five games. They they set a record for scoring in like six straight games or something like that. But the team, but if you looked, it's like, oh, they're scoring 30 points a game. It's because, yeah, but the offense is only scoring 20. That might be where Dallas is right now. Yeah. Like as soon as you get in the red zone, it's like, well, I hope Jake Ferguson gets open on that little post-up play that they always do because that's the only thing we're doing other than hand it to Tony Pollard to run into the line. Like, at what point do you think the Cowboys just start doing, like, a pooch kick at the 45? Like, they start approaching the red zone. They're just going to go, you know what? We have a better chance of getting in the end zone if we pin them in deep and hope for a fumble or a botch snap or a pick six. Like, that might be Mike McCarthy playing chess while we're playing checkers. Like, I feel like there should be a way to get some more open looks with C.D. Lamb, Brandon Cooks, Gallup. Looked a little bit better this week. Ferguson seems all right. This is his first kind of stint as the guy. 
and it's weird. Like, I enjoy Dalton Schultz, but <laughs> there's some people making him out to be like a little Gronkowski or something the last couple of years. <laughs> like, ooh, they're really missing Dalton Schultz. Like, are they? He's got like four catches the entire year for Houston. Well, and Houston was, I don't know if they were the only team interested in him, but the fact that a free agent ends up in Houston typically tells you there wasn't a big market for that player. Though I will say as, as a Dalton Schultz fantasy owner in a, in a keeper league the last maybe three seasons, two seasons, um, I'd say very underrated player. But yeah, hard to say he's the next Kelsey. I think he's a very good tight end. I think he's probably, if anything, kind of underrated. But the fact that he ended up in Houston kind of lends itself to, okay, maybe he's not you know the second coming of, of Travis Kelsey. The Cowboys will be fine tight end-wise. It, it is odd to me that they're not better in the red zone because they do have this collection of tight ends. They have Ferguson, and then they have two guys that look like Ferguson who all look like Dalton Schultz. So you would think that they would be able to produce – Though they're not yet, I don't know that they, they should build the the Patriots scored a lot with Brandon Cooks just on jet sweeps, you know when that was kind of in vogue in the league, they would run that from like the five yard line all the time with a jet sweep to Brandon Cooks and I mean man he was around the edge before the defense even reacted so they should be better but you know what this week I will not hurt my feelings if they're not better yeah and it's also fun when you're reading. And now all of a sudden, after Zeke has one decent game for the Patriots, all the people are like, ooh, they're really... I saw, I think it was RG3. Cowboys are just really missing Zeke. He, they're missing the pounder. He gets those touchdowns in the red zone. Take it easy. Zeke had a good game, <laughs> which I hope Zeke does very well. Maybe not this week. And, you know, Stevenson is off to a real weird start for the Patriots. Yeah. You know, what was he, like five yards a carry last year, and he's down to about 3.1 so far yeah, this I mean, year? It, it, it's been a strange year. I wonder, he had some illness before week one and was questionable, and then he ended up playing. He was a little, He looked sluggish against Philly. You know, he's shown burst at times. You know, I mean, he's got a couple touchdowns this year. Uh, you know, one against the Dolphins. Uh He's yeah, he hasn't looked quite himself, and I'm not sure if maybe the illness kind of set him back to start the season. But yeah, Zeke has looked like he's had way more burst than than Stevenson so far this year. So I had this thought today. I was writing my uh, Patriots preview notebook. It's uh, be released tomorrow. Sterlingpingree.substack.com, and. I just had this image, you know, you think of the game, and, and, and I said preseason, the Patriots would beat the Cowboys. And I said it, not, not to say tongue-in-cheek, but more so just for the narrative of, wouldn't it be cool to see the Zeke homecoming and, you know, he goes off and has a big game or something. I mean, he had 80 yards rushing on, like, 16 carries last week. He, he was very productive uh, against the Jets on the ground. The Patriots had a good running day. I think they had 157 yards on the ground. I could see it. Like, he's going to get his first touchdown as a Patriot like this weekend it's almost i think a given that he'll start seeing red zone carries which oddly enough he really hasn't seen a lot of this year even though he's great in short yardage situations but if i were to make a prediction if i was on all the you know betting sites i would make some sort of parlay with 
Zeke Elliott over whatever his rushing total is and a touchdown this week. Mark it down. Though you know that Belichick likes to swerve. I could see him just not playing Zeke against the Cowboys. Like, ha, you, you, you thought you knew. I know. Yeah, to a point, Bill likes to kind of reward his guy. Like, Bill's one of the coaches, and I've heard multiple players say this, that if they had, like, a incentive that they needed to hit in Week 17, you know, it's like they need to go in and play either a number of snaps or catch a couple of balls. Like, Bill would put them in in the first quarter, even if it was a, you know, meaningless game, so they could get their incentives. So, like, he's aware of things. I mean, this is general manager, too, so the fact that he's doing that and you know, hurting their cap is uh, interesting, but I could certainly see him because Bill kind of gets that bigger picture that this could mean a lot to Zeke if Zeke goes out and you know maybe gets a couple of touchdowns. Also, the crowd shots, Tom, the crowd shots at AT&T, if the Patriots somehow won this game and Zeke had a touchdown or two or had a big day, would just be phenomenal. I mean... They were I'm fun last week in freaking oh. Arizona. Where it's <laughs> half Cowboys fans. <laughs> oh, Arizona half. scored again. Let's pan to this section of Cowboys fans. <laughs> the the all time greatest, and, and it's the worst, but they're the greatest. Is remember the couple? Uh, was it the San Francisco game two years ago? Remember the couple that they showed, and like he's staring off. He's got a greasy, shortish haircut, and she's literally weeping. And like yeah. he looked like he stole catalytic converters, and she drove the driveaway car. They went home the, that day time. listening to "Hello Darkness, My Old Friend." <laughs> All right, let's try uh, to sing along, but forgot the words. Let's move from my woes for a little bit and move to yours. Here's the question for you: Okay, who do you trust more, Chandler Jones? To make a comment in the media right now, or Mac Jones to pick up a big first down on third down in the fourth quarter when it matters. Um. So I'm going to start with just we'll, we'll go with the. I mean, it's Mac Jones. Okay. Um. Let's just we'll, we'll take the aside with with Chandler. Um, I think he was crying at- on Instagram about Hunter Renfro today. It's sad. I, I don't know what's going on with him. Um, Said he'll start I telling mean, secrets if they don't start taking care of Renfro. I don't know what the hell's going on. Like, I mean, uh, alleged he was in a medical facility um, that the, the team sent him to, or, you know, you, you don't know what's fact. I mean, it does seem like this guy's been away from the team and maybe he has been in a hospital He's clearly has some sort of mental break. I, I don't know what this is. You know, people have alluded to CTE or he has said CTE or uh, I don't know. Th- this is, it feels reminiscent of what was happening with AJ Brown, but because that was so new, like we didn't know what was happening in real time. We were like, oh, this guy's acting erratic, but he's always been kind of an erratic guy. Chandler Jones, you know, outside of the, the odd instance with the synthetic marijuana when he was with the Patriots and he, kind of got paranoid, locked himself out of the house and walked to the police station barefoot and shirtless. You know, and he just asked for help and they took him to his house and, and that was kind of the end of the incident. It was just more odd than anything. This is this is just troubling, Tom. It, it's, I don't know. I mean, the, the things he's saying, I mean, 
I mean, we, we're both pro wrestling fans, so we always know, like, we you know, was Brian Pillman really working the boys, or like, was it a was it a gimmick? Was he working an angle? It was, is this a character? And now with social media, it's like you never really know. Is someone doing this for clicks to get views to raise his profile? To you know, I mean, like, just I mean, obviously Antonio Brown is the erratic blueprint. I don't know what's happening with Chandler Jones. Is this some sort of mental break? Is I mean, it seems like he may be in crisis. I I don't. He was bringing up Aaron Hernandez. I mean, at one point in one of the videos, he alluded that Josh McDaniels killed Aaron Hernandez and that there's a conspiracy to cover that up while Aaron Hernandez was in prison. I I mean, the things that he, he's saying and alleging, I mean, he's he's saying serious things and, and lobbing yeah. allegations. And his, against, you know, John Jones has had his issues, his yeah, brother. 100%. With, drugs and performance enhancers and domestic violence and it's definitely and i didn't bring it up i brought it up kind of as a joke and i realize it's you know obviously a serious thing but it is bizarre and yeah probably shouldn't have connected that to matt jones's <laughs> it's it's i mean but but and that's the thing and, and people are, are talking about it in a number of different ways because he's presenting it as being really serious and i think when you when you look at it on the outside you're going well i mean these things don't make sense but it's also to i mean at one point you just tweeted you know make america great again it goes okay so are you just trolling everybody like you're just saying what you think will burn the internet to the ground and get people speculating Luckily, I mean, I don't think anybody's looking at it and putting any validity into any of it and saying, oh, maybe maybe he's making a point. I think everyone is sort of looking at it and going, oh, this guy is, you know, it, it's coincidentally enough this week. It, it's almost on par with Britney Spears posting video of herself dancing with butcher knives. And you're like, OK, with this is bandages on from <laughs> <laughs> from sorry, outtakes? cut myself I mean, in the last take. <laughs> Yeah, the last take is I'm doing this TikTok video with daggers. It's like, what are we doing here? You know, and, and people online are like, um, this isn't content. This is this is just more scary now. So yeah, uh, yeah I don't let's, know. So let's I, I'm steer hoping. it. I'm gonna steer it back to uh to football and the Patriots. Bring it back to Mac. Mac. Um, Mac has had what 36 starts so far in his career. He has one. Fourth quarter comeback so far. And I have watched a lot of Patriots in the last year. One, because they're on every week, because they're in our they're our local team. And two, because we do this show and we talk about them every week. And especially kind of recently, those, you know, fourth quarter, let's seal the game, third and three, third and four. And he's never making the big throw. And the the weird part, because his thing was, you know, doesn't have this big arm, but he's quick, accurate, gets it out. A lot of these misses on third downs are like the receiver looking back over his shoulder, falling down, trying to get to it because the ball's not close. At a certain point, we could put it all on Matt Patricia last year, and that's great. But this year really still has not gotten better. 
And part of that is they still really haven't given him any weapons. I like Kendrick Bourne. You have the one-legged Juju Smith-Schuster. <laughs> oh. Devontae so, Parker, who can only run and do jump balls, but it seems like he can't jump anymore. <laughs> no, I mean, everything you're saying about the the weapons is is true. They have a lot of... They have a lot of what feels like the same guy. You know, Devontae Parker kind of feels like Juju, who kind of feels like older versions of Kendrick Bourne, who kind of feel like, you know, they all are like number twos, but they have a big drawback. You know, like Parker's had injury history. You know, Juju isn't, I I don't know. They all have some sort of, we'll say, discount to them. I'll say in terms of Mac Jones in the fourth quarter, I think you make a salient point, but at the same time, you could say, you know, if Kayshawn Booty gets that foot down against the Eagles, this may be a different conversation because that would be, you know, them getting down was 17 nothing and coming all the way back. And then in the fourth quarter, leads two scoring drives and, and wins. Miami, you know, leads a scoring drive after throwing a touch, uh, an interception. And then, you know, is a cold strange. And I don't say they necessarily would have automatically won that game, but, you know, the drive continues and, and you get a fresh set of downs from the 30 yard line inside of a minute down seven. Um, we could be talking about this differently. I think some of the third down, not to put on the play calling, but I mean, there's some odd play calls and maybe it's, it's what Mac is looking for on. Uh, there was one that was a third and three. And he goes like 18 yards down the field. It's like, okay, you needed three yards there. I mean, we saw Brady for 20 years throw the little sit-down route to Julian Edelman or Wes Welker. They would stop at three yards, fall down for four, and you you just move the chains and live to fight another day. I think there is some pressing involved. I think the Jet game also is sort of a tough one because you look, torrential rains in the first half, some in the second half. The wind swirling at MetLife. I've never been in a stadium where the wind was such a factor as it is at MetLife. There's just something about the whole Meadowlands area where that stadium sits. The wind is, it's a constant. You know, and we've heard guys like Phil Sims and Eli Manning saying, like, you have to play the wind at that stadium. And I mean, you've seen it with the, the Cowboys and Giants for years as well. So, not to just make a ton of excuses, you do need to see him make some plays. And, and that was. You said earlier about the Patriots, of, like, I probably didn't feel great about the win. It shouldn't have come down the way it did. I would have liked to have seen them put that away. Yes. You know, throw to Juju. That's what was kind of killed me too, that Juju's having this horrible game and twice on third downs when you could have killed the, killed the clock and, and ended the game. You know, you threw passes to Juju. Where I'm like, look, I have zero confidence in him making a play right now. You know, you have to be exactly precise for him to make a big play and it's just, it's not happening. But twice you could have put the game away on your own volition. You, know, you could have slammed the door. Instead, you kept giving the Jets new life. People forget, even in the immediate aftermath after that game, the Jets had two possessions after Matt Judon essentially ended the game with a safety to make it 15-10. Like, the game was essentially over if we just couldn't get one first down to kill the clock. Would have felt a hell of a lot better. Because really, and the reason I don't feel necessarily that bad with a little bit of hindsight and a little bit of distance between the end of that game is because the Jets had one scoring drive plus 
a what 30 yard completion to Garrett Wilson that set up a shot at a Hail Mary that got tipped around and dropped incomplete. That like that's why it looks so close. You take the completion of Garrett Wilson out of it, and you go, Yeah, it's 15-10. The Jets really had one scoring drive all day. Because otherwise, it really wasn't a competitive game. Even though it was one score, even though the Patriots only won by five, there really wasn't a time you looked and said, Oh, Zach Wilson's about to lead the Jets to a win. It just didn't really seem like it was on the table. If I said to you, you could have Mac Jones or Brock Purdy, who do you want? It's a good question. You probably have to say Purdy, but it's also a small sample size with a great team. That's a tough one. I mean, you probably have to lean Brock Purdy. Kind of as odd as that sounds. I mean, I think I worry about the shoulder and the arm and everything, but based on just what we've seen, God, that's hard. That's I think the answer is Brock I mean, Purdy. The problem is, is that we've never seen Purdy with like any adversity. You know, like we haven't seen him when the offense, I mean, he's, he's, since he's been in the league, he's had Kittle and, and Debo and Brandon Ayuk and you know, McCaffrey and a good offensive line. You know, he's had Trent Williams as his left tackle for every game he's ever played. And uh, I mean, it, it is really operating in ideal circumstances. If you put him on the Patriots, what does Brock Purdy look like? I think that becomes, you know, that would be an interesting scenario. Would he be better than Mac Jones in New England? That's what I don't know. Mm. It is an interesting question. <laughs> I feel like I lean Brock Purdy, but well, and we've seen the success. I mean, he's won playoff games. He's won. I mean, I don't know how many games he's actually lost as a starting quarterback. If you take the NFC Championship out of it, wasn't I? Don't think he has yet. I was going to say I think he was undefeated last year. So I guess you have to take the undefeated quarterback really, and until you see him lose in a game where he doesn't get knocked out in the first quarter. Do you get worried at all that at some point, depending on how this season goes, we always see not a lot of people, players, coaches, whoever, get the opportunity to kind of go out the right way. And these last few seasons have been a little rough. And even like the first few games this year, very un in a lot of penalties, some a lot of undisciplined stuff. Do you start to worry that he's not going to be able to go out like you would want someone who's arguably in every conversation for, you know, greatest coach of all time? Because there's, there's nothing wrong with it. I mean, we've seen it in every sport at a certain point. You just kind of lose the edge and you can't keep up anymore. Am I worried about, I mean. I'm worried about it with McCarthy. (laughs) I mean, there's a legacy you don't. He has a street because he won a Super Bowl with the Packers. He has a street named after him at Lambeau. So you literally can turn down, and I probably get this wrong, but you can turn down Lombardi Avenue, move over to Holmgren Way, and then there's like Mike McCarthy Avenue. 
I wish I could turn it's, down Mike McCarthy. <laughs> you know what is not an electric avenue? Mike McCarthy Avenue. <laughs> Though at all the establishments on that street, they probably play that song uh, quite often. Very low speed limit on that street. Oh yeah, it's 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 twenty five. Though they they might all be except Lombardi. He can do exactly what he wants. Not to distract. Uh, do I worry about it? I mean, I worry about it in that. You know, I'm aware that it's undesirable. And, you know, there is the inevitableness of it will end. I mean, it was the same with Brady. It's like you knew at some point, like, this will end. And and you do, at least we did with Brady, and I think we do to a point with Belichick where everyone speculated for years. I mean, you heard the conversations of people saying, like, well, when's Brady going to retire? Well, I bet if he wins another Super Bowl, he'll retire. I bet if he doesn't win a Super Bowl, he won't retire. You know, we, we put so much value on on these outcomes because I think we were invested on on how he was going to go out. With Belichick, yeah, you do want to see him to a point go out on his own terms, the only time I really worry, though, that this is going to go poorly is when the media, I think, and we saw it a lot this summer for the first time, where people sort of speculated on, you know, the the is Belichick on the hot seat? You know, is Kraft going to be, if they don't win a playoff game or if they don't even go to the playoffs, you know, would Kraft make a coaching change? If this team only wins five games, you know, will Kraft make a coaching change? I really have a hard time seeing I don't think save from some sort of scandal, I don't see Belichick being done as the Patriots coach after this season. And I think I have a fairly hard time seeing it after next season too, unless Bill decides he doesn't want to break Shula's record, in which case he could very well walk away. I don't think he will leave the Patriots before he breaks down Shula's record. I have a really hard time seeing that. Um, for a lot of reasons. One, you look at the body of work. Do, you know, lack of a better term, do the Patriots owe that to him? But at the same time, if you're Robert Kraft and you've gone this far with it, don't you want to kind of have that moment? I mean, nobody loves ceremony and commemorating big moments like Robert Kraft and the Patriots. Having the winningest coach in history is a nice, you know, kind of deflated football to have on your mantle. And that wasn't a deflate gate joke. It's just most footballs, the bladder breaks after years and they become, you know, whatever, grow up. Um, it's like we've come this far. You, you've got to complete it. So I don't know. I, I have a hard time seeing, could it get ugly? I mean, you know, look at Shula at the end. Look at Chuck Knoll at the end. You know, no one remembers the last 10 or 11 years of Chuck Knoll's career after they stopped winning Super Bowls in Pittsburgh. You know, no one talks about the fact that you know, Don Shula won his last Super Bowl in what, 73? In like his second or third year in Miami, he won two Super Bowls early. You know, and then they lose to Washington in, what was it, Super Bowl 17? And then two years later, they lose to the 49ers in Super Bowl 19 and then never went back. From 1984 to when he retired in. I want to say 97, 96, 97. Like they never really sniffed a Super Bowl. And no one ever faults Shula in that way. They were competitive. They're always competitive. 
Dolphins were solid, but the Bills dominated the division, and then the Patriots kind of took over. So this is kind of how this not say is supposed to happen, but this is how it typically happens in a way. The greats rarely go out on top. Lombardi did it. I was going to say Jimmy Johnson did too, but he went back to Miami too. But yeah. um, So am I worried? I mean, you don't want to see it, but I also don't know how likely that necessarily is. I do think it's somewhat of a media fabrication that Belichick is on this hot seat. I yeah, I don't, people need to yeah, I don't think it's necessarily – I wasn't implying necessarily hot seat, more so just – like if they had – lost that Jets game somehow. Oh, sure. I think it would have been, you know, kind of bleak. And then I think you start hearing people talk about, hey, do we need to try to mail in this season and get one of these, you know, three quarterbacks that are supposed to be elite in the top end of the draft or whatever it may be, which is just something that, you haven't heard in regards to the Patriots in, you know, 23 years. Sure. I mean, really since what, Bledsoe. 2001. Yeah. I mean, after that first season, then Belichick's first year in New England, they went 5-11. and 11. The next year they started 0-2. You know, Bledsoe got hurt in the second game. They, of course, they end up going 11-5, and 5, hosting a playoff game, you know, after getting a first round bye. So, yeah, I mean, really it's been since the 2000 season, since it's really been a moment where we go, all right, I mean, aside from two, you know, kind of middle of the pack, three middle of the pack finishes since Brady left. I don't know if we'd get to, though it's possible with the schedule that they have. I mean, I wrote in last week's preview that if you lose to the Jets, which, by the way, looking at the aesthetics, let's just say, and I might throw up just saying this, let's just say Randall Cobb comes down with that Hail Mary and they score. I mean, it is a debilitating loss. You would be 0-3. Having lost to Zach Wilson, who I don't know how we would have lived in a world and exist, and I don't know how I would have existed in a society. I probably would have. I would have taken the week off. How a quarterback could play that badly and win. Like that would be the damnedest thing I think I've ever seen on a football field because Zach Wilson was atrocious. I sent you a text Sunday. partway through that game, and I think I said. I feel like the Patriots should just start punting on first down to get Zach Wilson back on the field. Just put put him up. Don't even give him a rest. Don't even give him a rest. Just put him right back out there. Pooch kick it on second down. They'll never see it coming. And God, they were who Tony. They were working real hard to try to make it seem like Zach was making progress. Even I was like, dude, Tony, Tony, shh. Just shh. he made made but, one sustained drive. Like, that's the that's the potential. That's that top first round pick potential. Look at that zip he had on this ten yard out. But what made him sound bad? And, and I love Nance. I, I I think Jim Nance is outstanding. I've never criticized him, and I'm not really criticizing him now. But even I Nance was of, trying. But yeah, but the what I'm going to say is Nance especially usually not that critical. I, th- I find him kind of very down the middle as a play-by-play guy kind of should be is that they should always be kind of objective. They're giving you the story. The color guy gives you the opinion. Yeah. But Nance was you know, saying early third quarter, Tony, how long can they keep this up? Like how long before they, they pull him from this game? 
which is not something that you really hear Jim Nance say. And Romo was going in on it too, saying, oh, they may need to look at a backup. They may need to bring someone in. They can't keep doing this. And then to your point, the one 87-yard drive where they scored a touchdown, again, aided by a horrible pass interference call in the back of the end zone where Randall Cobb just slipped on the end zone line and the ball was probably uncatchable anyway, but it's besides the point. And just like that, you're right, Tony Romo. Yeah, that's the greatest drive he's ever had. They've turned this around. And it was. I get it was now one. Probably is game. the greatest drive he's ever had. It probably absolutely is, especially from the dregs that he was he was under at the start of the game. But yeah, they did a complete 180. And and I look at it this way. They're trying to sell the broadcast so people don't change the channel. Like they're trying to maintain viewers to make it seem more competitive, though your eyes are telling you this is not that competitive of a contest right now and i would not be surprised if there's some cahooting going on because the jets are in a lot of primetime games of showcase games because it was supposed to be aaron Rodgers. so it is in everybody's best interest if they can make the jets seem entertaining at the very least I mean, they're going to flex a lot of the, like when they can start flexing, they're going to be sending the Jets out quicker than they do at LaGuardia. But yeah, uh, so this Sunday, Chiefs at Jets, Sunday night football. Rumor is Taylor Swift is going to be in the house, which I can't believe like this is being you know reported on uh, next week. Oh, get this one. Now, this is kind of a grudge match because of what's been said in the media. Jets at Broncos, 425. CBS. That's the <laughs> America's national whatever game. Four twenty. They're yeah, and the Jets are switching. I don't know about Maine, but the Jets are our like second team <laughs> here in Vermont. Like, oh, if yeah. the Patriots aren't on at that time, we almost always get the Jets or the Giants. We get the Giants a ton, obviously. Um, but yeah, the backup backups either sometimes we get Buffalo, but usually I think they also pick it. Uh, because of the the division, you know, yeah. and and I usually I'm like, yeah, I'd rather. I mean, I guess watch the Jets if it's a game that I care about for the division. Um, though I did sometimes it's made by your local uh, affiliate of which game they kind of get. Uh, I talked to one of the the guy who's the GM of the local Fox affiliate, and he was always telling me like how they defend the decisions because I had a friend who was a Giants fan who was questioning him like, why didn't I get the Giants this week? He's like, look, everyone in this area wants to watch Tom Brady and the Buccaneers, so you're going to watch the Buccaneers and the Falcons. So, um, so yeah, Jets-Broncos is a national game at 425, though they also have Vikings-Chiefs that they could swap to. <laughs> the next week, Jets host the Eagles, 425. <laughs> so that's uh, yeah. three they in said a row. Almost 90% of their schedule are marquee or primetime matchups. Week seven, we get a break because they're on a bye, but the next week they play the Giants. So, hey, uh, no, well, Patriots play the Dolphins at 1 o'clock on CBS, so we will not get just Giants also on CBS. Get on Fox. <laughs> oh, week after that, they're on Monday Night Football against the Chargers. <laughs> I mean, if you can bet these games ahead of time, like the Jets right now are only three-point underdogs against the Chargers. I mean, that just seems like easy money right there. Man. Oh my god. They're they're in I mean they're prime time week ten. They're they're playing the rate how yeah. bad could Jets Raiders 
I feel like when I said it, you were like, yeah, there's probably a good amount. And now you're actually seeing it like, holy. Well, when you mix in the 425, they have another. I mean, they play the Bills 425 week 11. I'm watching that. Add those in. They're playing like a prime time. That's right. (laughs) They're they're not in prime time on. I was looking at they're playing Friday, November 24th at three o'clock. But it's the only game on because it's a, it's that Black Friday game they added. So it's Dolphins and Jets at three o'clock. I mean, if two is healthy and the the Dolphins haven't fallen apart yet, is the line on that going to be sixty seven? Jets defenses still look decent, despite you know what the offense is doing. Whether or not they can hold up throughout the entire year, getting very little. On the offensive side? Yeah, but they might just murder. Like, the defense might murder the offense, which would be a mercy killing, I think, at this point. But it, it's it's laughable. We talked about hard knocks on this show and just how gassed up the Jets were. I mean, they were so confident. The coaches were gassed up. Oh, we are so good. Oh, this defense is so – oh, this defensive line is so good. And the offense is so good. And we have eight and we have, you know, the big guy. Well – not to say it's the same old Jets, but you know Garrett Wilson's already yelling at Zach Wilson. You have a backup running back and Michael Carter, you know, running after his running backs coach on the sideline. I mean, just the arguments and the strife you're already seeing on that sideline, and it's only been uh, three weeks. When it's week three and the third string running back is yelling at the running backs <laughs> coach, that's probably not a good sign. Well, Garrett, but, what is it? I think it was on his McAfee appearance. Where Rogers said a bunch of the Jets offensive players need to grow up. And then yeah, they asked And is and is that helping? Well yeah, they asked the coach about it and gonna... he's like, Oh yeah. Me and Aaron talk all the time. I've said it before, I view Aaron pretty much as a coach on this team. And he is absolutely right. He is absolutely right. Which okay. Cool. You you want to hit your wagon to what he said this week, but if you're now giving Aaron Rodgers the validity of saying he's like a coach, I listen to him. Well, who knows what he's going to say on McAfee next week? Like if next week, what happens if he's critical of Sauce Gardner, Quinnen Williams, uh, and Robert you know, Sala? If he's Robert Sala. Like, what is it then? If he says, "I don't know why Robert Sala did that," that doesn't make any sense. Is Robert Sala going to go out and just fall on his sword and say, "Yeah, I don't know why I did that either." Aaron, honestly, right? Like, honestly, I feel like he, he would do yeah. that. He seems like a beta. In he is comparison he is being made to, to at least look like one. Yeah, because they have given Rogers everything, and now because of the way that it's gone, which again, unfortunate for them, but they have created this culture that I'm not sure they can come back from. Do you think Rodgers purposely said, I think I could get back for playoffs, knowing Zach Wilson could never get them to the playoffs? (laughs) It's just a no loss for him where he's like, oh, yeah. no, I'm going to put this out there. Everyone's going to think I'm a tough AF, and I'm not going to need to actually do it. (laughs) Well, I mean, it's like last year where Jimmy Garoppolo was like, yeah, I mean, uh, I'm, I'm injured, but if we made the Super Bowl, I think I'd be ready to go. Because remember the whole playoffs were like, well, I mean, if the Niners made the Super Bowl, like, would you actually start Jimmy Garoppolo over Brock Purdy? Because he would have got you to the Super Bowl 
it was kind of a no loss for Jimmy because if they get there, great. He might play in the Super Bowl without winning a playoff game. Uh, no, that's that, that's a good point. That's a great proposition if you're Aaron Rodgers because you're right. My question is, and I think we texted about this, as to you know, the narrative that we were force-fed during this whole process was not to diminish the value of Zach Wilson. Yes, we are bringing in another quarterback and we're not going to play Zach Wilson, but we still like him and we think this is actually going to help him by not playing. He's going to learn under a great quarterback because no one can fault us for picking an all-time great. You know, it's kind of like the Broncos. They won a playoff game with Tim Tebow, but they had the chance to get Peyton Manning. No one was like, oh, no, you shouldn't go get Peyton Manning because you have Tim Tebow. No one's going to fault the Jets and say, you have Zach Wilson. You don't need Aaron Rodgers. But at the same time, I mean, they demote Zach Wilson, but all the while are saying Rodgers is going to mentor him. He's going to take him under his wing. He's going to show him how to be a quarterback. He has loved him since he was a child. This is his idol. And now he's going to learn from him, and he'll be a changed quarterback. And then we kept hearing it after every preseason game and on hard knocks that, wow, Zach Wilson's really figured this out. Oh, my God, Zach Wilson has come so far. Working with Aaron Rodgers has made him a different quarterback. And now through two and a half weeks, he is the same horrible quarterback that he always was. And his teammates are fighting, and his teammates are fighting coaches, and they want to fight him, and Robert Sala is sticking his foot firmly down his own throat by saying things like, we don't have a better option than Zach Wilson. Tom, if your backup quarterback isn't better than Zach Wilson's playing right now, just fire them all because you you need to go get another backup quarterback. And they did that this week. They went and got Trevor Simeon, who, what did that guy do? Because he's already been on like 10 teams, and he's always brought in as like, ah, it's Trevor Simeon. Remember when he was in Denver? And, Maybe look like he had a future, huh? Yeah. Speaking and- <laughs> of uh, Aaron Rodgers' mentees, Jordan Love right now has 85 yards at interception, has been sacked four times for 36 yards, and the Lions are pounding the Green Bay Packers in Lambeau, 27-3 in the third quarter. It's the first time, I think, I think I saw it was the first time in like, it was either 40 or 60 years Detroit has been favored in Lambeau over the Packers. It's crazy. I mean, they beat this team we saw final week last season, and and they took them apart on Sunday night football to end the season. Now they're just doing it again. I I said it, Tom, before we started recording, because just as we we hopped on the Zoom, the Baltimore Orioles clinched the American League East, and the Lions scored a touchdown to go up 24-3. to And like, what what world are we living in that the Baltimore Orioles are dispatching with ease the Boston Red Sox and sending them to another season in the cellar while the Lions are beating the pack? I mean, this is cats chasing dogs, and and I don't know the 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 world is upside down right now. Yeah, the Packers have six total rushes in the third quarter. There's a lot of teams. It's just not making a ton of sense. And it's happening in, like, close games, relatively close games. Like, oh, we're losing. No more running. Like, freaking Andy Dalton threw, like, 50 times for Carolina last weekend. Carolina actually had a good running game last year. 
That's what kept him in a lot of games and kept him close in that horrible division last year. Like, what is happening? There's a lot of coaches I'm not exactly sure are good. Well, but I think a lot of teams are looking, and you look at the situation in Carolina, I mean, you're starting Andy Dalton. You know, you, you kind of schemed everything up for Bryce Young, though maybe the offense looked a little better with Andy Dalton. I don't know. Just just saying. Let's let's talk the NSO Bowl. I think yeah. we've, uh, we've kind of laid enough groundwork for this. Tom, what is your... Like, what is your biggest worry going into this game? The can be same. Matchup, can, can be area of the team. It's still probably scoring in the red zone. Like, I feel... I feel good still about the defense. Even, you know, obviously missing... Digs on the side hurts, but the power of that Cowboys defense is the front seven. It's getting to the quarterback, and hopefully that's a good matchup against the Patriots line. Also, after last week, which I didn't see coming, when all of a sudden we were down three starting linemen, two all pros and a center. Yeah. I'm like, what are, am I watching a Clippers game? Is this just like scheduled rest day because we're playing the <laughs> Cardinals? Management. Yeah, it's what is. I'm like, what? Where did this come from? Uh, but yeah, we got to find a way to get easy scores when it compresses. I think you hit the nail on the head with the the offensive line as I'm breaking the down in my preview which will be live tomorrow morning on Substack uh or uh, right now as you're you're listening to this pod was the the three members of the offensive line missing from this game for Dallas because I think that I think that just further put them behind the eight ball you know it, it kind of exasperated the struggles because we saw it as, as they got in close I think it affected Pollard I think it affected the run game uh, to a point, but yeah, not having the three of them though. Two were limited at practice today. Yeah. I, I can't even remember. I think what Martin kind, I think was the, back. I want to say, and I think Tyrant Smith was out, and the other two were limited. Yeah. So, we'll, but we'll I see feel like Tyron is kind of. I don't think he needs to practice much anymore. <laughs> they just tried yeah, to there, nurse there him were, through. There were a couple that they were uh, out. They're active. I mean, they didn't. I think Demarcus Lawrence, Demarcus Lawrence and CD Lamb didn't practice, but it was because of rest. Um, so if they get them back, I mean, I think it's a little bit different. But I mean, I think the strength of Patriots right now, obviously, is this defense and the ability to get after the quarterback. So if you sort of expose Dak a little bit, and by that I mean, yeah, just make him more readily available, not playing behind an All-Pro offensive line and and leave him out there a little bit. I, I think. I think that's the recipe for the Patriots to win this game is to be able to run the ball against your front seven. And it's hard to judge the secondary without Trevon Diggs because they lost him, what, three days before that game, four days before that game. So they really weren't prepared for life without him because you can't predict, oh, by the way, you're going to lose your star cornerback three days before the game at practice. It's just it's just going to happen. Just wipe him off the board. So. They yeah. didn't look prepared, but how can you be prepared for that, I guess? Yeah, Byads and Zach Martin were both back at practice. And uh, was it uh, Tyson Smith 
had his first game last week. He had missed the first two weeks, so hopefully he's he was their top pick last year who had a great rookie season. So hopefully he'll be a little bit more consistent here with a week under his belt. And I'm, as always, excited to see... I'm excited to see what Mac Jones looks like when he's staring down the tracks and the train's coming through. And you know the train. I do. And it's going to be... I'm interested to see how the Cowboys sort of employ him. But also... I mean, you know, he still had a sack, and I think he had two tackles last week. But it felt like a very quiet game for Micah Parsons last week against the Arizona Cardinals. In comparison, Um, especially to, like, the first two weeks where he was just causing havoc. Right. I compare it to week two when we viewed as a success that Christian Gonzalez held Tyreek Hill to five catches and 40 yards, even though he still had a touchdown. It was like, hey, we put the clamps on him now. Look at what he's done the other two weeks of the season. And yeah, I mean, that's essentially shutting him down completely. You know, you wonder with it being such a copycat league, like did did what the Cardinals, you know, I mean, they ran the ball, they kind of controlled the clock, they kept bouncing the ball to the outside. How the Patriots deal with Micah Parsons will be fascinating. And do they use some of the concepts that the Cardinals used this past week? You know, I think back to what the Patriots have done when they play the Cleveland Browns and Miles Garrett, you know, uh, two years ago, it was Max rookie season at home. You know, I think Garrett still had like two sacks, but he wasn't getting the pressures. He wasn't getting home, and you saw him getting frustrated. What the Patriots were doing were they were throwing screens like right behind him. Like he would get up, run the hoop. Max stepped up like a foot, and they would drop in screens right behind him, or they would run directly to his side. Because what happens with a pass rusher is when he starts running the outside, there's no one there to set the edge. You just run up through. So I'll be interested to see if some sort of strategy, like kind of attacking him with either the pass or if you can sort of run to his area, if that works. But at the same time, he moves around so much that I'm not sure you can kind of scheme that up play-by-play uh, play at the line of scrimmage. So it's going to be a chess match uh, against Micah Parsons, but, you know, uh, we'll, could, we'll see. Could it's, just it's come down to... Against one of the great players of this era. Could just come down to... Who makes the bigger mistake, Dak or Mac? <laughs> they both feel prone to it, right? Like, they both feel like the guy that's like, like the Dak Prescott interception last week. I mean, just over I, the middle, just guns it at a linebacker in the middle of the field. And yeah, I try not to like overreact because I don't think he had, I don't think he had a turnover in the first two weeks, but the no, offense didn't. also didn't have to do anything in the first two weeks. <laughs> Turn around and hand it off. Yeah. Oh, run, run. Hit C.D. Lamb wide open across the middle. Uh, Dump it off to a tight end. No big deal. And then, uh, yeah, when it came to So you questioned my quarterback in fourth quarters, and here's Dak Prescott. Need to make a, a, a drive, and he throws a pick at a wide open linebacker in the middle of the field. But he's at least got, he's got comebacks on the resume. Might be from a few years ago, but still. <laughs> They're on the resume. You know, sure. And you you and see those resumes sometimes. Resume it's it like, is. oh, you did this in, what was that, 1998. Okay. <laughs> I don't know if that's prudent anymore, but at least it's on there. Mac doesn't have them for the resume yet. 
It's like how I, I always made the point when I would argue that Tebow should have got another shot at being a quarterback in the NFL. I was like, look, this guy has won the same amount of playoff games as Tony Romo, Matt Stafford, Matt Ryan. Like I would name like six great quarterbacks. It was like, yeah, Tim Tebow has more playoff wins than all of them because there was that long period of time where <laughs> Matt Ryan hadn't won one. Stafford, I don't think it played in one. Tony Romo, I think, had exactly one playoff win at that point. So I used to use that as my the, the claim for Tim Tebow. I was like, look, this guy's won a playoff game. Yeah. Uh, better than Quincy Carter. Huh. <laughs> that I mean that is the measurement. Quin- yep. Yep. Vinny Testaverde. Like those are Vinny those had a good year. Of Dallas. Vinny had a good year when he was with the Cowboys. You know, it's amazing. How Vinny, no one mentions Vinny Testaverde. He had a lot of good years. Guy, guy was a pro. He did. He did. Uh, I, I was very happy the Patriots brought him in as like a fourth string quarterback for a season. Even, you know. Yeah. Bledsoe had a couple decent seasons with the Cowboys. Yeah, he wasn't bad. I don't remember much of him in Buffalo. That was always a tough time, being him being in the division. Well, what? The, the first game with Buffalo was also the first game Buffalo had Lawyer Malloy. Right? Yeah, they beat the Patriots 31-0. Yeah. Lawyer Malloy had a big pick, and everyone's like, oh, sugar. Mm-hmm. And then, coincidentally enough, the Patriots ended that season by beating the Bills 31-0, the same score that they beat them in week one. It all comes full circle. Now I'm looking it up. Okay. Maybe Vinny's one year with the Cowboys wasn't that great. 17 touchdowns, 20 picks to lead the league. (laughs) (laughs) Did throw for 3,500 yards. That's not bad. Yeah, he only had, looks like he only had one other, two other years where he threw for more yards. One with the Jets. And apparently he had a stint with Baltimore that I don't remember at all. He did. I, I want to say he was like the first. Well, because made so the Pro Bowl. The Browns because he made the move with them. So he was the Browns quarterback. Belichick traded Bernie Kosar and or released him. I can't remember which, but he, he, he banished Bernie Kosar, had the city of Cleveland in an uproar, and then started Vinny Testaverde. And Testaverde went out that year and won a playoff game beating the Patriots. It, it was a good quarterback, and and yeah, when the the Browns moved to Baltimore, he uh, he went with them. He was the first Ravens quarterback. He had thirty five interceptions his first year as a starter for Tampa In Cleveland, Bay. Tampa Bay. Oh, for ta- that's right, that's right, Tampa Bay. He went his Tampa second to, year to Cleveland. He started his second year. Oh boy, that's <laughs> he led the league in picks four times. Like I always said that no one talks enough about Vinny Testaverde, and here we are going like year by year. <laughs> yeah. Vinny Testaverde. It's a wormhole. I got to do the wormholes when we're not recording. Who 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 has not gone down the Vinny Testaverde wormhole? I do it once a week. Well, depending on how this week goes, I could see you going down a Tom Brady highlight wormhole. Oh, I may just reminiscing Super Bowl DVDs next week. <laughs> I saw a uh, a fun new Twitter page that people were talking about is Mac dirty. And it just shows clips of Mac Jones, like kicking guys in the balls and sliding like cleats up towards people's balls. 
I mean, he might be the Grayson Allen of the NFL. I'm not saying he's not. Though, you know what? After that play, he got powerbombed by C.J. Mosley and then shoved to the ground and then gets up and sauce Gardner's in his face. He's lucky he only hit him in the nuts. I mean, come on now. Like, I don't know. Watch that play and tell me that you wouldn't be a little, little angry. Plus, no flag. Like, none at all. We talk about quarterback safety. And in this play, he goes for the quarterback sneak, gets stood up. C.J. Mosley yanks him out of the pile like he's pulling the bottom peg in Jenga and slams it to the ground and yells, Domino. And the referees are like, ah, it's in good fun. What are we doing? All right, Pearl, where can uh, people check out all your writing? Sterlingpingree.substack.com. I uh, post a recap notebook uh, after every Patriots game. Usually it's up first thing in the morning, the day after the game. And uh, I've just started doing uh, game previews every Friday before the games. Uh, so the one, as you're listening to this for Patriots Cowboys Week 4, is uh, is already up. I kind of outline you know, what happens when the Patriots have the ball, what happens when the Cowboys have the ball, here's how the Patriots win, here's how the Cowboys win, and then uh, make a prediction. So it's uh, it's fun. It gets all the thoughts out in one one big fell swoop. And guaranteed, half of that article will be right. It'll be how the Cowboys will win. <laughs> you confident? Are, 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 I feel how good. How confident are you? I feel good. You feel good? This is, this is the get-right game? I think so. Just because I don't see New England having the explosive enough offense. Not that Arizona is is lightning, but do you have a Marquise Brown right now? I <laughs> no, like Pop no, Douglas, no, no, but he fumbled not. one time, so I'm sure we're not going to see him much anymore. No, no, he's going to be in my... Well, Keishon Booty couldn't get a foot down. We haven't seen him since. Uh, no, that's a, a roster decision. Um, yeah, you know what I'm going to say? Here's a prediction, not to spoil the prediction in, in the blog, but, I mean, it's already out. Um, this is going to be a one-score game. Like, uh, Scott Zolak said it this week, and I, I think I agree. The Patriots are going to be in every game. Like, they're not a team that I think is going to get blown out a ton, but they are going to play close games every week. And sort of as you laid out, they're going to have to score in those games. Now, they're playing Dallas, who has blown a couple teams out. And in the close game, they didn't execute either. So this might be a execute off with one of these teams being executed. Well, you know. It was a very loud, raucous Arizona crowd, you know. <laughs> the weather well, it, the weather was crazy. Um, though you do know, I mean. There was a lot of travel. This, it's, a, it's, it's a long, long trip from Dallas to Phoenix. A lot of extenuating circumstances. Yeah, not like the crowd was 70% Cowboy fans. Like this week, I mean, there's going to be a lot of New England fans in AT&T Stadium this weekend. Like, this is the road game everyone's going to. It's going to be a tough ride home for him. <laughs> it, it, it may very well be. Uh, I'm hopeful. All right, guys, you've been listening to the NSO pod. This has been a production of Uncommon Media.